Well, good morning to our Crossroads family online. We're so grateful that uh, you have decided to spend an hour and a half or so with us uh, to worship and to learn and to pray and just to be together. And uh, you, whether you're with us on Facebook or on YouTube or ccmonline.org, or maybe you're even with us later on this week on our podcast, we're so grateful that you're with us. You are a part of our church family, and uh, again, we're just so glad that you're here. Um, we are going to be receiving communion together as a church community before the message. So if you haven't had a chance to do so already, head on into the kitchen or maybe those grocery bags you left in your car and grab some bread and some crackers and some juice, and we'll be receiving communion together. Again, we're so grateful that you're here with us. Just as 
<laughs> this isn't on the slides or anything. I just want to read this scripture as we just sang that. Matthew, Jesus' words, uh, Matthew six twenty-eight. It says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will God not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the world runs after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your words of inspiration and encouragement. Amen. Uh, Claire mentioned we're talking about our core values, and Kathleen mentioned it as well. Uh, We're in a series on the core values of Crossroads. Last week we started the series, and the value we talked about last week, and these values aren't in any order uh, to, well, they are in order, but they aren't in any order to communicate one's more important than another. But last week, uh, we think they're all important. That's why they're core values around here. We talked about how we all operate by core values. Whether we know it or not, we have this kind of operational framework that we go by, and we were all encouraged. If you missed it, go ahead and listen to it. We were all just encouraged to maybe check our own personal core values, like what do we operate by, what do we want to operate by, and how are we doing with that. Hopefully you got to spend some time around that this week. Uh, We talked about journeying with the message last week uh, as a church, taking the message of the good news that Jesus brought to each and every one of us and to everyone around us, to the whole world and all of humanity, the good news of Jesus. And how are we journeying with that message? So we talked about that. This week, I want to talk to you about uh, the core value that we have, uh, which we call the journey of generosity. Now, uh, let let me clarify some stuff about core value or give you another piece on this issue of core value. There's kind of two types of core values. Um, One is held values. Um, Some of you would call, you wouldn't call it a core value. You would just say that's lip service. Like you ever hear somebody, you've never done this, but other people do this, where they say that this is a core value of theirs, but they don't live by it. You ever see that? Maybe you've seen that. I'm sure you've seen it in other people. It's harder for us to see in ourselves. And that's really not what we're talking about. I mean, it's not bad to state your values, to have held values, but what we really want is operational core values, the values that we live into. We won't live into them perfectly, but those are the lived values. So when we talk about core values, we want to talk about operational core values, the things that we want to live by. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. This is 
This quote is out of Psalm 112. If you're interested, you could read that whole psalm. It's beautiful. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Hallelujah. It's beautiful stuff, isn't it? Um, it's, it you'll notice that uh, Paul says that God gives, uh, gives us bread and also gives us seed. So the point isn't, the bread is the provision that God gives us personally to take in, and then seed is that which we're invited to be generous with. Now, we all are givers. Everybody's a giver. Uh, Everybody gives things, uh, and that's not what our conversation is about. Because if we go down that road, it's kind of like an argument that sometimes happens in a marriage where, you know, the one spouse will say, you never clean the dishes, and the other spouse says, but I did that three weeks ago. And you're right, you did it three weeks ago, but it seems like never, so never probably wasn't the right word, and three weeks ago is really weak. But that's the problem with talking about giving, but generosity, the invitation to generosity is not simply about giving. Giving, obviously, is a part of generosity, but generosity is much bigger than that, right? So we're all givers, so let's just congratulate one another. We're givers. You are a giver, sitting amongst givers, and uh, I might add we're all takers. But anyway, that's another conversation. Have you ever felt like, I wish I could do more? I just wish I could do more. I feel that way a lot, personally. Um, I, I feel that way almost every day. Um, And sometimes that's just something that I need to let God just strengthen me in, right? Not to live in the shame of that. But then there's a reality to I wish I could do more. And that's what I want to talk about. I think all of us wish we could do more. So I want to help us possibly do a little bit more. Now, because of time constraints, we're not going to talk about, uh, when we talk about generosity, uh, we could, we, we really, uh, in this conversation, as a value for our church, this is about our time, our talent, our treasure, and I want to add another one, our touch. In other words, our relational world, how we touch and love one another, love the people that are around us. So when it comes to generosity, what we're talking about is are we being generous with our time, our talent, our treasure, our money? Uh, and our touch, our relationships, are we generous that way? But again, because we don't have time to do all of those things, um, we're going to focus on the money piece, but I trust that you can broaden that to your own situation in the world because this fits really with your time, your talent, your treasure, and your touch. Does it make sense? I think we can make that leap fairly easy. If you want a little bit more study, I want to encourage you, those of you that are big readers, this is a great book, The Paradox of Generosity by Christian Smith and Hillary Davidson. Uh, speaks a lot more into this subject. It's, it's kind of a sociological study. Uh, so those that want to know, the paradox being that generosity is good for you. That's essentially what they talk about in the book, and 
they do a great in-depth study around a lot of different cases and situations about America. But anyway, I want to, I think we need to start just real quick. I want to give you uh, four myths. Uh, These aren't all the myths when it comes to generosity, but I think these are things that we get tripped up on. Uh, But before I do that, I want to tell you a joke about St. Peter. So there's this guy, um, that's really not how you introduce a joke, but sometimes the introduction is the funniest part, probably on this one. So uh, this guy, he's really wealthy, he's getting ready, he's sick, he's not doing real well. He knows his days are, are numbered, and he's really concerned because he's really wealthy that he takes some of his loot with him, right? So he meets with his family, and he says, this is what I want. In my casket, I want, a, I want several bars of gold. I want you to go to the vault that I have, and I want you to put in several bars of gold in a suitcase. Put that in the casket with me so I can take that to heaven and put the key in my pocket. So anyway, the guy, he dies, and they do as he said, and there he is standing before St. Peter, and uh, St. Peter's kind of introducing him, welcoming him, and the guy, you know, takes out his key, thinks it's a brilliant move, and he unlocks the case and opens up the gold bars, and Peter looks at him, and he says, oh, isn't that special? You brought pavement. <laughs> you can Google gold in heaven if you don't know what that means. I like another one. I'm just going to tell jokes today for a few minutes. Are you all right with that? It's probably better in a talk about money. Anyway, because sometimes that's funny in itself. Uh, there's a guy, again, St. Peter. St. Peter's busy. He, uh, this guy goes to heaven, and Peter's walking him around and seeing all these huge mansions, these elaborate places to live. They're walking down this one street. It's like the best street. He comes to the end of the street, and there's this little hut. Peter says to the guy, he says, well, that's where you'll be staying. And he said, what, what, what's this? I'm walking past all these great mansions, and I get this little hut. He says, Peter looks at him, he says, well, we, we did the best we could with what you sent. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, <laughs> enough of that. Myth number one uh, is that the myth of that generous generosity is, in, uh, is spontaneous. Now, it could be spontaneous, that, uh, and many times generous people are spontaneous, but it's an error to think that generosity is only spontaneous. As a matter of fact, it isn't exclusively spontaneous, and we'll talk more about that. Greedy people can be spontaneous. In other words, generosity is not an event. So over the last 30 years or so, um, I, and I, this number is not exact, but I think by the projects and the money we've sent, um, not spontaneously, for the most part, occasionally spontaneously, but for the most part, Crossroads Church, you have been generous to Haiti to the tune of about a million dollars over 30 years, right? Yeah. You have been generous. There's been moments where you've been spontaneous. And it's not just about that number, but it's about time, talent, treasure, and touch. That's how you've been to Haiti, and that's what generous does. Generous commits, and this is what 
Jesus talks about in the scripture. And if anybody starts to feel uncomfortable about I'm being too heavy here, just read the gospels. Jesus is much more into this than I could ever describe, right? Yes, the gospel teachers all laughed. And Jesus wasn't raising money for himself, right? He was only here for a few years doing ministry. It wasn't like he was out campaigning for money. He did it because he knew how connected this was to our soul, to be generous people. So spontaneous giving is emotional um, for the most part, but it doesn't have near the impact of this long-term generosity and commitment that way. There's a place for spontaneous giving. We should all give spontaneously when we're moved to, but that's not what we're talking about. Second myth is generosity is about what's in your wallet. Generosity is not like this, like all of a sudden, for instance, on a Sunday morning, there's an offering and some, sometimes there'll be like this cataloging. Okay, I've got $35 in my pocket. I've got, you know, $600 in my checkbook. I've got these bills and, and maybe you're all familiar with this. Um, that you begin to catalog, like, your cash flow and what you have, and we give according to cash flow. Generosity is not giving according to cash flow. Again, we'll talk about this in a minute. Um, In other words, it's not reactionary giving. Like, my giving... Um, sometimes needs to be adjusted, and we'll talk about how that that can be helpful. But if my if my giving is always based on my cash flow, I can kind of trust I'm not going to be generous. Just hold that um, if in, if that's a thought that you have. Uh, myth number three is that this this myth that the amount counts, like bigger amounts are more generous than other amounts. Um, this is definitely not true because you, when you talk about generosity, you talk about, for instance, money, context matters, right? Claire and I, a few years ago, we were invited out to eat after we were, uh, this is a different part of the country, we were working uh, with this spiritual formation group, and at the end of the group, a bunch of our friends were invited to go out to eat and by uh, a friend of ours, a, a woman that's an attorney, um, and she took us all out to eat at her favorite restaurant. The bill came. It was $2,500. Now, for her, $2,500 is dinner. For some of us, $2,500 is three months' pay, you know, right, or th- whatever, or maybe not three months' pay, but that's a lot of money. Context matters. Jesus speaks specifically to this. In Mark, I believe Mark chapter 12, Jesus talks about the widow's might. He's at the temple. He kind of steps aside. There's an offering being taken. All these wealthy people are coming up and dumping their money in to the offering. The widow brings up two mites, two coins, and... Some would say that was less than a penny. And Jesus says she gave more than everyone. The inference is everyone combined. So context matters. So never never be discouraged by the amount you bring 
thinking that your gift is inconsequential. You, no matter who you are, no matter what your income level is, you can be generous. I can be generous. Does it make sense? Context always matters. Um, Our friend, the only reason I used her as an example, she's a very generous person, and she has an awful lot of money, obviously, if you can spend $2,500 on dinner. Myth number four is that rich people are generous. No, rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. Yes, amen. Statistically, statistically, uh, those that make more statistically in the United States actually give a higher percentage of those that have more. I don't say that as an indictment to anybody but all of us. Anyway, um, say it again. Okay, I, if I can remember what I just said. Anyway, statistically, those with less... Oh, did I? Those with less give a higher percentage. Does that make sense? I'm sorry. Thank you for editing me. I need that. Okay, so let's quickly talk about uh, our reality, some of the realities of generosity, and write this down because this is kind of a, the counter of some of that. The generous are planned, Okay. The scripture tells us, I'm going to refer to this scripture in 2 Corinthians 9, which is such a powerful scripture on this. Uh, Generosity, Paul says, give what you have decided in your heart. It's planned. All right? Uh, Experts in finances would tell you that there's five things that you can do with your money. You can spend it. You can save it or invest it. That's the second. You can give it away. You can pay taxes or you can pay creditors. Spend it, save it, give it away, pay taxes, pay the creditors. When you look at that list, spend it is about you or me. Save it is about you or me. Give it away is about others or God. Pay taxes is obviously the government. And pay creditors basically is about you. There's no issue. That's what we use our money for. There's no issue there. The issue is, if you want to be generous, the issue is the order. So if you think about those five things, it seems the invitation from Jesus is the top of the list consistently is caring for others. That's the top of the list. Most lists would put giving it away last. Spend it, save it, pay taxes, pay creditors, give it away. Generous people put give it away at the top of the list. The first thing, how do I give some money away? The second thing about generous people is generous people are waiting for an opportunity. They're waiting to allocate. So if the first thing you do is you think, I'm going to give money away, and you set some of your money aside first, you're always walking around looking for an opportunity. Now, there's things that when you do that, generally you're automatically already doing, but there's always other money that you're looking for opportunities to give away. 
Paul says it this way. He says, be generous on every occasion. The only reason, the only way you can be generous on every occasion is if you can look for an opportunity and be ready to give. Because the truth is, is if you don't put giving money away at the top of your list, you're not going to be ready on any occasion, on every occasion. So your heart could break for something, but you can't respond. Because that's down the list. And you have to catalog through all these other things that have to be taken care of. Whereas if you go, this is the wisdom of, we're not, this is not a talk about tithing, but I will say this. This is the wisdom of percentage giving. One of the many wisdoms. If you just set, let's say you set 1% of your income aside, and you're just going to, first thing, you're going to give that away. That is the wisdom of it. You always have money ready to give, okay? Uh, The third one is the generous are on assignment, or it's assigned. Paul says God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, there's this intentionality to it. Generosity is assigned based on in what I would describe when I read through the scriptures, three main filters. The first one is gratitude. We give out of our gratitude. We give out of the things that we're grateful for. We give to the things that our family, for instance, has benefited from. This is why, for Claire and I, the church has always been primary because of our gratitude for the church. It's not, to, it's not you know, the motivation isn't just to pay the heat bill, although that's got to be paid. The, the motivation is gratitude for the house of God that we're here today together. So there's the gratitude filter. There's the heartbreak filter. Those things that break your heart. And then there's the passion filter. So give to your gratitude, give to your heartbreak, and give to your passion, right? One thing I've noticed about most people that are generous, that I would categorize as generous, is generally they don't need to be asked for money because they're always looking for what they're grateful for. They're always looking for what breaks their heart. They're always looking for what they have a passion around. It doesn't mean they shouldn't be asked. It's just generally generous people are looking for the things that fit into those filters. And they will give spontaneously, but it's secondary. It's not the primary way they give. And the last thing I want to say here about generous. The generous are liberated. They're free. Paul says it this way. He says, don't give under compulsion. Um, If we as a church, for instance, have ever shamed you or tried to manipulate you in your opinion to give, we apologize for that because the scripture is clear that we shouldn't be manipulated to give. We shouldn't be given under compulsion We should be giving out of a heart of liberation. That's living a generous life. You know why you can be liberated in your giving if you're generous is because you can say no sometimes because you've said yes. Does it make sense? If you're living a life of yes when it comes to generosity, then when you say no, it's out of a generous heart. It's like it's just not part of my filter right now. It's not part of that thing that I'm going through, so I'm going to leave it at that.
Generosity brings guilt-free living. One of the things the enemy tries to use in all of our lives and certainly tries to use around our money and our time and our talents and our touch is shame and guilt. God wants to free us from that, wants us to be generous people around all of those things. Ultimately, Luke says in Acts 20, this is one of the huge benefits of generous living. I have shown you that in all things, by working hard in this way, we must help the weak, remembering the words that the Lord Jesus himself said. There is more happiness in giving than receiving. You might have heard it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It really is a truth. When we live into generosity, it literally does something in us body, soul, and spirit. And that's the life that we're invited to when it comes to generosity. Amen? God bless you guys. I love you so much. Be more generous. (laughs) So there was an anonymous person that um, bought ice cream for everybody in the room today to thank you for what you did for Haiti, what you do for the children, what you do for the people of God in this, in this crew. And so True North is coming with ice cream. We're, look at the window rolled up right at the time. And, um, and so, you know, uh, this, this is what could be better than True North ice cream to say thank you. Um, we've given you these little cards here because we feel like we want to say thank you. Everyone has someone to say thank you to. There's somebody in your life that has been generous to you at a particular time in your life and that you want to say thank you to them. So we've given you a little card. If you feel like dropping them a note, you've got it right there just saying, when I think of generosity, I think of you, right? Um, This is the last day of Peace Camp, and I just want to say thank, thank God for Sarah and all the teachers who gave to our kids all this time. Oh, my goodness gracious. Like... If you don't know what happened up there, you had, you had um, musicians teaching them how to sing and hum to deal with stress. You had, uh, you had therapists teaching them how to do this. You had pastors teaching them how to zentangle. You had, I mean, there were so many good gifts given to your children, the children that are going to be the peacemakers of the next generation. And they learned these things. So will you make sure you say thank you to teachers and tell them how magnificent they are? Um, I don't know who else you might want to thank. Like, maybe it would be Bruce Allen because Bruce Allen is retiring after uh, doing uh, fabulous videos since 1998. 1998. Videos since 1998 on our staff. And so, Bruce, just peek your head out. We know you don't like coming out of the closet, but we need to see you. Come on, come on out of there. Peek out here, Bruce, so we can say, so standing up. Oh, come on, standing up. Bruce, 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 Bruce. Bruce has preached the gospel to nations, everyone, because of his work with our video. And Bruce, thank you for giving Yes. to God and the people of God and the people who didn't know God since 1998. And we bless your retirement. We 
We bless you for saying you'll still consult with us. We bless you. We bless you for your love, your care, your generosity. And, and we have something really special for you, but you're not getting that till later. And we just, we just want you to know that. We love you, Bruce. Love yeah. You, Bruce. Love you, Bruce. And so we just want to say thank you. It's just a good day to do such a thing, everybody. It's just a good day. Tell somebody how fabulous they are, please. Tell them their generosity has made a, a difference yes. in your life. You are fabulous. Oh, Isaiah, you are fabulous. And I didn't ask you to come up and sing spontaneously today, but if you'd like to come now, you could sing, I'm your ice cream man. Stop me as I'm passing by. No, oh, is that a bad song? Oh. And there you have only a crossroads. So um, your jokes are so good, and you don't even know it. Okay, so let's stand together and bless one another, and get our ice cream, and um, and just find ways to let generous souls know they matter. Let them know you see Jesus in them. So we're going to do this for each other. Are you ready? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, Bruce. The Lord's face turns toward you. Get your ice cream and bless each other. Here we go. In the morning. 